And I just remember my professor, Dr. Bauman at Hillsdale College, who said to who taught us, must you eat garbage to know that it is garbage? Well, no, we are capable of discerning garbage just from the way in which it smells or the, the receptacle in which it's contained or just by our learned knowledge of what garbage looks like. Welcome back once again to the Ramble Room. I'm here with Diane this time and with Sarah, but not the Sarah that you know and love. A Sarah nope, that sorry. You're, yeah, a Sarah <laughs> that you're about to get to know and love. This is Sarah Masaryk. Sarah, say hello. Well, hello again. I know and love her. That's why she's yeah. here. Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed that Ken thinks that everybody else is going to love me. Does that mean that you don't dislike well, me, Ken? Well, they must. You have something like uh, 20,000 downloads on your podcast, correct? Oh, oh no, 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 no. We have almost 22,000. Oh, 22,000, excuse me. <laughs> hmm, we've been I'm gone for a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what we're no, here we're... to talk about. <laughs> But first, because you are a stranger to our audience, uh, Sarah, take a few minutes to tell us about who you are, where you live, and what you're doing. Well, I am not in politics. <laughs> I am a mom uh, from Northeast Wisconsin, and I'm, well, I'm a wife, I'm a mom, and a homeschooling mom, and I met Diane maybe nine years ago that and least. yeah and we became friends because we disagreed with each other <laughs> that makes the best relationships it does you know if you can have your first fight right away and get it out of the way it's perfect <laughs> and it's very boring um, if we agree on everything yeah, well, and that's the great thing. The weird thing is we agree on more and more these days. So I don't know. Except Haley Mills. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I'm <laughs> still scandalized by that. What in the world? Like, Diane, why do you not like Haley Mills? Seriously. You want what the is whole wrong list with or Mills? just the top 10? <laughs> yeah, he doesn't either. I, I was telling him about that discussion we had, and he was Gag going, ah. <laughs> Oh, goodness. You guys are missing out. <laughs> No, we, we saw it. That's why we had it. Anyway, it's not about Haley. I'm sorry I brought that up. It's about Sarah Masaryk. Please pick it up where we left off. All right. Well, what do you want me to say? What do you want? What do you want people to know about me? Well, I am a mom. I'm yeah, a mom. I'm a yeah, homeschool you, mom. You've gone that route, and and I'm yeah, glad to know was... that you're a married mom, that your wife and a mom. <laughs> yes. They don't always go uh, together. But right. But you and I... Diane got together. How? How did you meet so, each other and what became of that? So nine years ago, Diane and I met in a book group online in Facebook. And we had a disagreement about some books. And then we had a fundamental agreement about Narnia. And that group had, it went very strangely. One day we were all happily getting along and the next day we were all kicked out and banned. So we built a new group. And we were just going to let our friends in because we just needed somewhere where we could talk about books that were true and good and beautiful, books that were classics or ones that could be classics someday, and talk about them in a way that was 
honest and thoughtful and allowed us to stretch and grow and helped us to help to point us in the right direction for our children. And so we thought, well, we'll just create a little group for us and a few friends. And then those few friends asked to add a few friends. And by the end of the week, we were at 100 people. And within six months, we were at 1,000. And it just exploded in growth. And just so a little that, small group there. Yeah. Just a tiny little group. Intimate living the, room. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we wanted. <laughs> and we tried really hard. And I think we were pretty successful about making sure that potato peel pie felt like a nice warm place to be what where people is potato peel pie and i don't mean the the, the actual pie <laughs> oh good because i can't tell you what the actual pie is i've never had the courage to make it <laughs> <laughs> so when diane and i wanted to build along with a few other friends when we wanted to build a facebook group where we could connect with others of like mind in a setting that would feel like an extension of our living rooms we um, n knew that names had power and we were casting about for a name and we thought if the Lord gives us a name, then we will know that this is the place we're supposed to go. And Kathy's um, and Diane's sister, Kathy, said, hey, it's a little bit like that book we read, the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society. We all feel like outcasts um, while the world is raging around us. The war of the world is raging around us. What if we named it for that? And we thought, there it is. We all, it, it resonated with all of us. And so in the Guernsey Literary and Potato Peel Pie Society, we have a group of people living on one of the Channel Islands during the German occupation of World War II. And through a series of, of mishaps, they find themselves in desperate need of having a quote-unquote book club so that they can be a legit organized group. The Germans thought of themselves as being very cultured and they would approve something like a book club. So they organized this book club as a means of escape from this thing that happened. And instead, what happened was, because of course they had to meet every week, and in a meeting every week, they realized that they were becoming a community unto themselves, a community of hope. And they were being enriched by the books they were reading. They were being nurtured and encouraged by the good ideas that were being discussed. And they were being kept alive through really horrendous times because of the community that was built around that sharing of ideas. And so we thought, what a perfect way to try to create a refuge from the chaos of the world for people to come and talk about books and have community and grow together and support each other. So that's why we named the group the Potato Peel Pie Literary Club, or no, what did we call it? Potato Peel Pie Society. Potato Peel Pie Society. At one point, we changed it to Potato Peel Pie Book Community, and, and we spent a long time trying to get our heads around this group that just kept growing faster and faster and faster until we realized that there was a lot of weird stuff that was sneaking into the group. A lot of ideas that were really discordant to our core values, ideas that were really dangerous, ideas that were offensive, but subversive as well. 
And we realized that if we were going to be able to defend the community that we were trying to build, we needed a static place to articulate key thoughts to review books that were good and worthy, to write cautionary reviews of books that were being recommended that were actually, as Diane always says, full of arsenic in the cereal. Like how much arsenic do you really want with your cereal? Hmm. Mag tastes good, but it's gonna kill ya, you know? <laughs> and so Diane and I decided we needed to have a place to make these ideas stand still so that every time the poppycock would come back up in the book club, we could just point back to a particular place where we had already articulated that idea. Diane, could, and, you, could you take just a second here and define poppycock for us? <laughs> I'm, I'm going to refer you to our website. Oh, no. <laughs> More work. I, that's fine. Give us, give us the website. But but then, just for the the sake of discussion, you say poppycock. But I'm, I'm, what kind of harm could come out of people sitting around talking about books? What kind of subversive, clandestine things might people say? And I don't want to mm. get sidetracked too far, but just a, right. a, a little bit of an idea of of what makes poppycock. So, what's the website? Plumfieldandpidea dot com. Okay, we'll get to that in a minute because you just lost me. Plumfield and Pidea. Never heard of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, or as, as our friend Tim Feldhausen says, what is it? Plum pudding and paella. <laughs> it all works. P and P. So, what what sorts of things were creeping into the group that caused your distress? And understand that part of the reason I ask that is by people understanding what just what caused you distress, they understand a little bit more about you and about what right. your values are. So, right. Absolutely. So, Diane, would you throw in on that? Um, there were people who were coming into a group where we were trying to talk about books that were good food for children and, and also for moms. There was a lot of discussion about books for grownups and bringing in modern things that were, some of it's just flat, not literature. And that's an interesting definition to try to define as well. But it's one of those things where, um, you kind of learn to know what it is by reading good books. I really kind of would rather throw that to Sarah because she answered a couple of the really serious, some of the bigger, um, badder questions that were going along with a couple of things like um, she wrote one called Why I Won't Read the Handmaid's Tale when that was going around and everybody was reading it and having a comment on it and Sarah never read it. She just wrote a a review, or not a review, but a comment on why I'm not going to read it. And right. people, people still go, this was years ago, people still go and find that article that she wrote. And I think that that probably explains it maybe better than I can. Well, give us a brief <laughs> synopsis, Sarah. Well, okay, so The Handmaid's Tale is a great example. I mean, I think we got 10,000 views on that in a week. It, it really, definition of, it went viral. This was on the so, website before the podcast. Yes, exactly. Right. So in the, so the, the, so on the website, I articulate it was this one and Anne with an E. Why I wouldn't watch Anne with an E, the new Netflix production, pillaging. I think I named that one pillaging Anne. And so in The Handmaid's Tale, so you I think it's important that people know that I'm a Hillsdale College graduate. I did two terms at the University of Oxford. So I am great books trained and read. And so 
it was interesting when a lot of intellectual types were coming into the group and they were putting on their professor hats, which by the way, they didn't have or or earn, but they, they thought that by using complex words and, you know, some pat kind of pat answers to questions that sound really smart and academic, that they could just bulldoze over innocent young moms who are just trying to find the right things for their kids to read and are just trying to have something for themselves to read and are getting enormous pressure in all the social circles to read The Handmaid's Tale. And these these people would come in with their their intellectual arguments and talk about it being intellectually disingenuous to not read something and therefore judge it. And I just remember my professor, Dr. Bauman at Hillsdale College, who said to who taught us, must you eat garbage to know that it is garbage? Well, no, we are capable of discerning garbage just from the way in which it smells or the, the receptacle in which it's contained or just by our learned knowledge of what garbage looks like. So do we, is it intellectually dishonest to not read something that the summary of it and the descriptions around it are so obviously endorsing the idea that it's garbage, why must I then consume that garbage in order to be considered intellectually honest? The bigger question is, if this book is going to make or break me as an academic or as an intellectual, why do I care? Like, what is the point? The point of the group is not to be the people who have read every single thing because that's impossible. More importantly, do I know what our Lord has asked me to read? Yeah, he asked me to read his word and the lives of his servants. Those are the things that should have pride of place on my reading bookshelf. And if I don't get to other things, that's okay. It is not about whether or not I need to read this book. It's about whether or not people have the right to bully other people into feeling like they're not worthy human beings if they don't. Exactly. This is this is what was intellectually incompatible for us. You don't have the right to come into our group and harass a group of people into making a decision that they have already discerned might not be good for them. You don't get to bully them in our group into making them make a decision. That's not how this works. In our group, you can come in and you can read the good and true and beautiful books and you cannot read books that are not good for you. Maybe it's a good book, but it's not good for you. That's okay. We defend a person's right to go where the Spirit leads them. I just want to throw this in. I had exactly the same experience in churches. Mm. And, and people would come to me with the latest, greatest thing that had come out that, that was published. Oh, have you read so-and-so's book? about the? No. Yeah. And yep. at the risk of sounding a little bit arrogant, which I usually do anyway, but I get over it, <laughs> I, I would hold the Bible up and say, when I get done with this one, I'll yeah. try reading something else. But, right. but so often, everybody gets caught up on the, the trendy, the things that are happening now, the most exciting new thing, and God told us there's nothing new under the sun. Amen. And, and, and we think we've just found this great thing. And anybody who doesn't want to just jump on the bandwagon is automatically an idiot. And to me, Fine. and Diane, you've expressed this several times, once a book's lasted 100 years, 
then maybe it's worth looking into. Well, right. And taking that back to what she was talking about with Anne with an E, which is what Netflix version of Anne of Green Gables, and most of the people in our group love that book for reasons that I can't possibly explain to Ken because he just is not going to admit that that could be possible. <laughs> might as well have starred Haley Mills. <laughs> so anyway, I think that what they were doing to it is has to do with what C.S. Lewis called chronological snobbery. Where, Mm -hmm. okay, so if everybody loved that book a hundred years ago, we're going to take all of the things that we know better now and and make it modern. And I Mm -hmm. I never, I didn't watch it either because I didn't have time for that kind of thing if they were just going to slaughter it. But I believe that it was taking place in the time period where the original book took place, but they were bringing in all kinds of modern ideas and um, making... An offensive one. Right, but making people feel like, well it's better now because it's more honest well thank you for taking that little side road because that kind of helps understand where you folks are coming from where your girls are coming from with what Mm -hmm. you were trying to accomplish and what went wrong so you got to the Mm -hmm. point then where this group had grown to over a thousand and you're starting to fight off the snobberies and the and the other sorts of things what what's next So in an effort to not let the bullies win, I really think that that was a big thing, was to not let the bullies win was the initial thought. But the secondary thought, which ultimately became the heart's mission for us, how do we empower moms to make good choices for themselves? So, yes, we're going to have some cautionary reviews and we're going to have some articles that are, you know, maybe a little slanted against something. But it really became, now, wait a minute, wait a minute. What did I need? What do I need? How can I help another mama? What are things that Diane and I are seeing in the threads again and again that we know there's an answer for this? It might not be the perfect answer for everybody, but maybe if we could offer this, it would be something that a mom could then say, oh, now I know what's in that book. Maybe that book's a good fit for me or, oh, so glad I know what's in that book. It's probably great, but that one's going to be too sensitive for me, or it's going to be too old for my child, or we're not ready for it yet. And so we realized rather than trying to tear down the negative things, let's build a stronghold of the good things. Let's read excellent books and tell people why they're excellent. Let's pre-read for mamas so they can come to us as a resource and say, what is in this book? Oh, yeah, okay, I, I can do that one for my son. Or the Space Trilogy, or the Ransom Trilogy, <laughs> more, more correctly. Yeah. It's one of our most popular articles on our website, and it's not even a great one. <laughs> we didn't even review the books. All we did was say, hey, mamas, this is a great set of books. However... There is some content in it that you might not want to hand to a 12-year-old boy, even though we keep seeing these books on every list for boys. And so here's what's in it. You decide when it's the right time for your child to read that book. One of the other concepts that we don't necessarily say in everything, but was one of the original thoughts was the idea of reading backwards. Because... There was something that kind of came up when our kids were young was, well, it doesn't matter what they're reading as long as they are reading. 
And then also every book, every new book is a series and we got to have all of them and we got to have the newest and the latest and the greatest. And we also wanted to say, well, wait a minute, if your child is interested in whatever mystery novel or whatever history, supposedly history or whatever's popular right now, rather than gorging themselves on every new thing that comes out, let's go back a little bit and say, if they like this, how about this thing that Uh is not, it doesn't have to necessarily be older, but cleaner and safer. Yeah. If you, have you read the classics? If you haven't read all the books that have come that have come before up till now, then why do you need the one that's coming out next week, you know? Good books often <laughs> refer to classic standards. Mm-hmm. There Absolutely. Are, yeah, there are there are concepts and ideas of philosophy that have been developed through generations of good thinkers talking yeah. through things. And I think that's one of the, the core values. So we have a lot of modern writers who want to go out and tell a story. Number one, they don't understand that that story's already been told a thousand times and probably better than they'll ever understand. But right. but if you go back and have read those stories by masters, you raise mm-hmm. your own level tremendously so if what i'm gathering is that you guys started out as kind of a maybe a facebook group or some sort of social media group and then Mm -hmm. there's this web page that pops up and the web page is called what (laughs) where did that come from what's it called well diane do you want to do it like we did the last time where i did the plumfield part and you did the paideia part oh that (laughs) sounds fun yes let's (laughs) (laughs) so our name is plumfieldandpidea.com and i know that's a mouthful and apparently we're not even pronouncing it correctly um but so i'll let diane deal with the second half so the first half is plumfield which is the name of the school that joe march and her husband professor bear run in Little Men and Joe's Boys, the sequel to Little Women by Louisa May Alcott. And we love the holistic, living classical tradition of that Plumfield, that Plumfield school experience where the boys are boys and they're allowed to be boys. They're celebrate their boyishness is celebrated. And they live they live on the land and in the land and still they're reading the classics and the greats and they are and they're loving the lord and they are discovering their their vocation and what they are made for and who they are made for we love the way that boys are uh, captured by louisa may alcott and celebrated and as boy moms we feel like boys are really underserved in our culture and so when we have a preference uh, to when we have a preference on books to read, we're, we're always going to fall down on the boy side because we just we really love our boys and want the best for them. So the paideia part is a Greek word for teaching, and it harkens back to classical training. You think about classical education sounds very highbrow and complicated, right? But mm-hmm. you can get it by reading old books. 
<laughs> exactly. Osmosis. Yeah. So we're kind of we're mm -hmm. we're sort of talking about like the maybe the idea that um the way homeschoolers typically teach, maybe more of a Charlotte Mason kind of education, but also don't forget about the classical education, you know, don't forget to read Plato and Aristotle and play outside. And I think maybe that's the connection there. Well, yeah. that, that explains it, I think. So at this point, you've got a website, and on there you're doing book reviews. And then you've got this, I assume you're still doing the social media thing where there's a group there. Uh, just kind of, Sarah, take us from here through the timeline, because I want to get to how you ended up doing a podcast. Well, it's interesting because the 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 social media aspect was our bread and butter for many, many years. But along the way, so Diane and I, so the social media group launched eight years ago. And one year in, um, almost, I mean, it was to the month, we recognized the need for the static place. And so we built the website. And the website is predominantly book reviews, but it's also educational commentary, um, educational helps. As an example, Diane has an entire article on teaching spelling, and that feeds into the podcast, which we'll get to in a minute. And um, so we did that for many years because I had very little children. Diane still had things she was doing. And so we were doing this as a very, very, very part-time thing. And then I got sick and I had to take a step back. And then as I came back, we recognized the social media angle was not working well for us. The group at that point was 3,500 people. It was focused on a lot of very good things, but many of them were not the things that we wanted to be focused on. And we simply didn't have enough time to do all of the things and do them well. So as we stepped away from the social media groups and just put our focus into our real lives and our writing, then the podcast presented. Diane, do you want to tell that part? Well, it's something that I never really wanted to be involved in. <laughs> I don't want to be in front of a camera. I don't want to be in front of a microphone. Exactly. And you kept saying, but people want, they say they want to be able to hear the reviews. Um, and with the spelling articles, Sarah had been telling me since I wrote them, they don't help me because I can't hear you, what you're saying, reading right. your description of the sound of some letters does, isn't making sense to me. Well, at the time, that was several years ago. At the time, we didn't have the capability of doing such a thing. Right. And then we, you started collecting all the sound equipment and getting good at that and having a lot of things over here that we could use. And For, for those of you that can't see this, she was looking at me. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> see, Diane, you don't want to be on video, but... Right, right. <laughs> So yeah, you, that was that was about the time that I started getting interested in kind of a lifelong passion of mine, which was the idea of, of building a recording thing and being able to do a podcast in mind. And obviously, we've got one and and some more coming. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it, it, it somehow it worked out that when you needed sound equipment, it came. Right. So, so about a year ago, that I bought I, all this stuff. Right. I'm sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> But about a year ago, I said to Sarah, um, I, I kind of hate to bring this up, but 
I think that we could do this now. If you just want to record book reviews, it would be okay. And I think <laughs> I can handle it now. Because we'd been doing the Ramble Room for about a year or yeah, probably about a year. About and so I thought, okay, I think I can do this. And and I thought that's what we were going to do is just record our book reviews. But Sarah. <laughs> but Sarah, you're funny. That, that would be a good epitaph. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Your husband's stone. <laughs> so we, so the idea of doing a podcast is something I had always been open to because, you know, I had been, having been a classroom teacher I really have no problem speaking in front of people at all. I didn't think a microphone was going to make big, a big difference in that. But I didn't really know what we would do. Like, what would our podcast be for? I just, nothing we do is to serve some dream or idea in, in my mind. Everything we're doing is responding to a need. How can we help? And so when we kept getting comment after comment after comment, like, I am a busy mom. I cannot read your long, complex book reviews. I love all the information you put in these reviews, but I don't have time to sit and read them or I can't find them easily on your website or whatever it was, or I don't know what's there. I don't even know how to look because the website's getting really big and complex at this point. Everybody can say, can't you just record them? <laughs> and so Diane and I are like, well, I guess we we could just, you know, record them. And And, and what if we just put up like, a review a week or or maybe a couple reviews a week <laughs> and then it's like well if if we're gonna get all this equipment you know there's a lot of other stuff there's a lot of stuff people don't understand and so at this time our friend jill morgan from purple house press books was going through this terrible thing with amazon amazon took all of her books and froze them because somebody somewhere incorrectly reported her as having stolen a book. But she had multiple uh, pieces of evidence to support that she had a valid contract with the author's estate, that the rights had been properly reverted, that she had filed all the necessary paperwork and done all of the necessary things. But she tried to appeal Amazon and got a robot after a robot after a robot. And in the meantime, they shut her down. So she has her own website, but they control a big portion of the online sales. All publishers will tell you that this is this is the problem they're in now, is if they do business with Amazon, they can be shut down like a light switch, just off, turned off. And so for uh, she was on and off, appealed multiple times on and off for a month. Even Jeff Bezos, who loved her printing of Mr. Pine's Purple House. There, there, there's pictures of him on the Internet holding it out and that he had given out copies to all of these influencers when she had released it. So she tweeted him and said, why is your company shutting me down? You love my books. And that got her back on for about 72 hours. And then she got shut down by the robots again and had to appeal again. And we needed to help her. And nobody is reading these long things on our website. And we didn't have our social media group. And we said, people need to know why they should go and buy the books directly from her instead of from Amazon. They don't know. They just think, well, I have Prime and it'll arrive in two days and it'll be cheaper. They have no idea how it works. We didn't know for sure how it worked. So we thought, what if we just, maybe for one week, we just interviewed Jill. 
Uh, and then a whole the week. bowl got <laughs> well instead of i mean instead of airing a, a, um, a book review let's just do an interview yeah i gotcha <laughs> and that kind of got us thinking about the podcast differently and so that's how we got started as something other than just a book review podcast so describe the podcast as it exists now and how do you find it so the podcast, because paideia is a difficult word, the podcast is Plumfield Moms. And it's anywhere that all, I mean, it's on all of the major podcasting apps and it's hosted on Podbean. So if you like Podbean, you can get it there. You can also go to our website and almost all of the episodes we do stream on our website in a variety of ways. So we've tried to make it as easy as possible for people to find it. And, um, you know, at almost 22,000 downloads, I guess people are finding it. Um so we started it about nine months ago, and we thought that we would just do the book reviews, but we started to also do some interviews. And so we said, well, what if we do book reviews on Mondays, interviews on Wednesdays, and on Fridays, we do something sort of educational, and then on Saturdays, Diane records a spiritual reflection, which, by the way, is one of the most popular features <laughs> on our podcast. And uh, as it went along, we we realized that that was maybe a little bit more <laughs> than we could chew. <laughs> so after Christmas, we said, we're going to scale back a little bit and, and not do all the Wednesdays. So we do book reviews, as we said. We do interviews with people in the book world, whether it's authors, illustrators, heirs of authors and illustrators, publishers, curators, like our friends Biblio Guides. And then we also do our most favorite thing ever, which is book clubs. And we do a number of those in a variety of different ways. Sounds pretty interesting. How do I find that? You, you said the website. What's, what's the website? So again, if people go to www.plumfieldandpaidea.com. How do you spell then paidea? Okay, Diane, I'm going to get it wrong. <laughs> P-A-I-D-E-I-A. But if you Google Plumfield Moms, I'm pretty sure that will route you to Plumfield and Paidea as it, well. It should. You guys have gotten popular enough now that yeah. besides me having to skip lunches because Diane's always recording when I want to eat lunch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Always. <laughs> I remember when you guys first got interested in podcasting that that you contacted me and we're looking for information and, you know, a little bit of how-to stuff. And I was delighted to help. And now I'm feeling like I need to go ask her because she's, she's finding out all these things that I haven't had time to research. <laughs> I, I, I say that to say you do a tremendous job. I've, I've listened to several of the podcasts, a lot of them actually, and they're mm. very, very well done, um, articulate, clear, well. Thank you technically well done as well thank you well you set us up right that's for sure <laughs> i had no idea what we needed in terms of technology and your direction and advice on the microphone and the preamp and all of that was absolutely invaluable it is really amazing how different the podcast is because uh, I, I make videos on instagram as well for us and when i'm talking into my phone 
there is a different body posture that happens. There's a different mindset that happens than when you sit in front of one of these microphones. And so I really think you set us off in the right direction again, because <laughs> you, you gave us the right technology. We, we have to sit the right way and breathe the right way. And I think that that really makes us more thoughtful when we're recording. So we end up having a better, a better show because of it. I think there's another factor too that needs to be thrown out here. And this is something David Iverson at Cowboy State Politics and I have talked a lot about is the whole concept of audio versus video. And you can do mm. a video podcast and it actually ends up working more like an audio podcast because you don't have to watch it every minute. But yeah. if, if you're strictly watching a video on social media, generally after a minute or two you've pretty well outworn your welcome and people are people are done so yeah. if you really want to go in depth and you want to talk to somebody at large it needs to be something that they can turn on they can go about doing what they're doing around the house or go you know if, if it's a guy at work or oh, there i sound really sexist don't i <laughs> well you work with guys yeah but anyway <laughs> uh, the idea is that you can continue doing what you're doing and you can listen and by having more than just a couple of minutes, you can really develop a theme or an idea or a concept. And then when people become familiar with a, a podcast, they feel like they know you. I can tell you I've gone into many different towns across Wyoming and people have come up to me and they act like they've known me forever. <laughs> and I don't know them they, from Adam. There's no way you can right. say, yeah. recognize yeah. them. <laughs> but, but that's good because that's what we want, is we want to be right. able to affect We want to be able to affect people's lives in a way that nourishes it, that fills some sort of a need or a gap. And you guys have grown very, very quickly. You've done extremely well. I'm pretty proud of you. Oh, thanks. And, yeah. Why, thank you. Diane, you had something you wanted to throw out. Oh. Well, you were kind of asking who we were and what we do. And because we haven't even been doing this for a year, it has changed quite a bit. Because, like, you know, yeah. we started out, let's just record our book reviews. And then ideas come along. And then we got too many of them all at once. And we had to scale back. And um, so we don't really know necessarily who we are going to be forever. But right. we know, but what we are doing, the basic principle is what do moms need and so we just kind of try to keep our eye on that. And then however things change, it's about what do moms need? Well, I think another thing that makes our podcast and our writing together interesting and impactful, first of all, we're both very prayerful about what we do. I'm not going to say that we're not going to make mistakes because we will. But I do think that we genuinely are seeking to serve the Lord. And so therefore, ego plays a lot smaller role in it. That's number one. But the, so that, you know, that informs everything. But beyond that, you know, Diane is in one stage of life and I'm in another. And I think that that's always been very, very winning for people because I feel like they think this is two different stages are, that are being represented. I can companion with Sarah and I can be mentored by Diane. Now we've been doing this for ten, almost 10 years together in various forms. So I'm not young anymore. <laughs> um, uh, the young moms don't identify with me anymore. Now they see me as a little bit of a big sister, which is interesting. But I like 
that we have two completely different generational experiences because I think that helps moms feel like what they're hearing from us is both relevant and timeless. And that's also because we hope that what we're giving them comes out of the truth of Christ, which is relevant and timeless. Absolutely. There's also, that's the classical way that families developed. You learned from prior generations. You had multi-generational families living together. And young girls learned from their grandmothers how to do different things. And and right. that that makes this timeless perspective much more effective Uh, for for people who have been followers of the ramble room for some time you may remember we did a couple of shows with barbara shurstedt who is a friend of ours and a world-renowned piano player and i thought it was so fun when you guys were developing the podcast and you said Mm -hmm. we need we need theme music we need something and almost immediately, a piece came to mind that Barbara Scherstedt had played. So we called Barbara, and of course, she was more than willing to allow you to do that. And we'll play that on the final version here. Um, awesome. Yay. <laughs> anyway. We're that, so grateful. We're so grateful for that. That is That music is absolutely part of who we are Mm -hmm. it is so vibrant and alive and it's classical and it doesn't sound like anything else that's out there so it was such a wonderful grace when you presented that well it was it was excellence and i don't take any credit for it (laughs) but uh it it is your good idea (laughs) i guess my point is that things miraculously fell together in their time in the right place where they needed to be and everything worked out beautifully. We don't know what's going to happen a month from now. We don't know what's going nope. to happen six months from now. But what we have seen over the last year or so, especially, uh, God has certainly had his hand in, and we're grateful for that. Amen. Can I add one thing to that? No. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I think there are a lot of podcasts that are dealing with very contemporary and timely issues. I think in some ways the Ramble Room does that. And others are obviously like David Iverson's is very, very timely, right? It's about the issue of the day. Ours is the exact opposite of that. And I think that that is both a strength. I mean, I think that's a strength for both of us is that our podcasts are different. I think a lot of podcasts out there in the mom field tend to deal with what is hot now, what is going on with moms now, what's on trend. We're not desiring that. Like you said, we have no idea what's going to happen next year, next month, or even in the next 10 minutes. What we do know is that we have produced a body of work out of an act of obedience, and it will exist for as long as God allows it to exist as a resource. We try very hard not to do things that are time sensitive because we want moms to be able to find the episode they need when they need it. So this is not about, oh, my goodness, I just discovered you. I have to get caught up with all 168 episodes that you have. No, 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 you don't. You can go and find the episode you need and listen to it when you need it. That's our goal. That's something I'd like to point out, too, is you go to a lot of, and and even the Ramble Rooms, I didn't spend a lot of time trying to develop the website or or the page so that it worked well. But you took the time to organize yours in such a fashion. It's beautifully done. And you can Thank go you. there, and you're absolutely welcome. 
you can go there and you can find what you need to find quickly and efficiently because you may be a mom, you may be a dad that just doesn't right. have time. Right, exactly. Diane, any closing thoughts? Well, I was thinking of how the two things that we're doing kind of go together because of something that we, Ken and I, talk about a lot when he was campaigning, um, going door to door and trying to ask questions and sometimes concerned about, well, you know, somebody would, is somebody going to ask you something you don't know the answer to? It doesn't matter because (laughs) our, we're founded on certain basic principles. So when you have a question, the answer is not minute details about whether this is, you know, how this is going to work out. The answer is how does this line up with our basic principles? Right. And that's what we're doing as well. It's not that everything we do has to harken back to something that's a certain age. We only read mm-hmm. books that were written before 1950 or something like that. But do the books line up with our basic principles? And so in mm-hmm. that way, even though the ramble room needs to stay timely and we don't even try, we're doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. I agree. Any last thoughts? from you, Sarah. I'm just really grateful that you had us come and do this today. I mean, I know that this is Diane's podcast. Both are Diane's podcasts. <laughs> well. <laughs> but it's really it's really a joy to be on the other side of the micro- microphone, so to speak. <laughs> it is. I, I relish the chances when I get to just sit back and let somebody else. Do the questions. Uh, yeah, yeah, do the questions, kind of run the show. Um, I, exactly. I enjoy more than I thought they would the entire aspect. I, I felt a little bit like you did when I got involved, that this was kind of a calling that I was trying to fill a need. Mm-hmm. And that was, you know, in, in Wyoming, there's very, very, there's virtually no honest press. It, mm-hmm. it was born out right. this weekend. I, I gave an interview to one of the, one of the statewide reporters and was very specific in what I said. And for the second time, he got it absolutely wrong and just butchered it. The, the, the quote, and he puts it in quotation marks, and it isn't oh, even a complete sentence. And it's embarrassing. You know, people think right. I actually said that. <laughs> so right. I hope not. But, <laughs> but all that said, I, I have enjoyed being able to communicate with people and find an audience of people that were looking for things. You found an audience that were looking for things and cultivated it and have done a fantastic job. And thank you very much for doing that. And thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. So the music is very, has a very American catchiness to it that's a little bit like early ragtime. And it's called? The name is Pasquinade.